Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 70, and we are going to take a look at chapter 14 in the book of Exodus. This is very interesting because there is so much that God does for his people, and you have to remember that we are his people. So just know that whenever you are reading, first of all, the entire Holy Bible is a love letter from God to his people, which is you and me, believers in Christ Jesus. What's also very interesting is that whenever you're reading things where God is very proactive in terms of showing his love and favor to his people, meaning people can see it, they can witness this, God is always proactive in our lives, but what I mean by this Especially in the Old Testament, we see God in a very basically in the five senses. You know, the, the Israelites can see him, they can't necessarily touch him, but they they can see him and hear him and they know that he is a real God. So, it's one of those things that he makes himself very present to them in a very physical and a very natural way. Whereas, you know, post New Testament, which is what we are in, because the Bible has already been written, Um, you know, by the time you and I were born, so it was written many, many, many moons ago, uh, many moons ago, I should say, in different phases. But here's the thing: the Israelites, which you have to remember, is they did not have the Bible back then. They were the Bible. So the, the things that we are reading about, especially from the Old Testament, um, these are things where people. How I describe this: the foundation of our faith was really being built here. And with a firm foundation, it's one of those things. Whenever you're building a, a foundation for like a house or apartment building, whatever the case may be, your foundation needs to be extremely firm. Otherwise, your house or your building will fall over. Well, here's the thing: sometimes God makes Himself extremely present, meaning like He wiped out some of the Egyptians, um, He killed their army. Um, He healed them of leprosy. Um, you know, not the Egyptian army, but um, the, the Hebrew people. So it's one of those things that sometimes God is very, very much. How, how to describe this? Like there are different types of miracles, right? I'm trying to think of a, the best way to describe this. There are different types of miracles that can happen in our life. Sometimes God will do things that are just amazing. Just absolutely amazing! Like we we saw God move a car out of our way; otherwise, the car would have killed us. Or maybe, you know, one day we had cancer, the next day we we did not. Like it's very like black and white, yes and no, and it's very obvious, and it's just kind of shockingly amazing. There are other types of miracles that God does that they're not as immediate, and they're not as jaw dropping. It's not like something that wouldn't be on the news kind of thing. Of course, even our news channels today don't really put good, positive things on the air. But you know, sometimes we forget that even the little miracles that we have in our life are just as important as the big miracles. But what we're going to see here in chapter 14 is where God is very obvious. He is very obvious, and He's helping well over a million people escape from Pharaoh. Pharaoh has released God's people. But in this, you know, this section and going forward, we're going to see how Pharaoh, how Pharaoh really hated the Israelites, how the Egyptians really hated the Israelites. It wasn't just a matter of slavery; it was a matter of hatred. So it's one of those things that, as God's holy people, we need to remember that sometimes people will hate us. Strangely, I've met people like this in my in my own life, people that I don't even I don't even know their name. But they may be really mean and hateful to me because I am a believer in Christ Jesus, or maybe they're just mean and hateful just because they're mean and hateful, and they will be mean to anyone that comes across their path. Well, this is almost the exact same thing going on here in chapter 14 of Exodus. We're going to see God do some really phenomenal things. And I just want to be very clear here: God still does phenomenal things. You know, just because. You're not over in the Middle East, and you're not staying before the Red Sea. That doesn't mean that God can't part the Red Sea for you in your life in different situations. That's why you need to take all of your concerns, your worries, your doubts, your fears. You need to take everything that basically bothers you and that you do not like. You need to take that immediately to God. You need to take that up in prayer because that is technically your Red Sea. 
whatever is bothering you bothering you and hurting you God will part that red sea and he will annihilate your enemy which is what God does here in this chapter. So let's go ahead and take a look at this puppy here. So again, I'm reading from Exodus chapter 14 and this is from the Amplified Bible. It's an excellent translation. I highly suggest you get this one. It's really good. So it says here, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, again, we see God speaking directly to a human being, which in this case is Moses. So again, if you think God doesn't speak to us, you're totally wrong. If you think God doesn't exist, you're totally wrong. Because I look at it this way, if I know that my neighbor can knock on my door, I open the door and they open their mouth and start talking to me. Let's say they need some sugar for cake or something. That's them literally talking to me. Well, that is exactly what God is doing here. He is talking to Moses. And a lot of times God is knocking on the door of our heart, but if we don't open that door, then we're never going to know that God was trying to talk to us. It's very important that we recognize that God is always for us, never against us. Even when he disciplines us, he is always for us and never against us. Goes on to say, "Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp in front of Phi, I can't pronounce this, or it's Pi. I think it's Harithro between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Baal Zephon opposite it by the sea." The Pharaoh will say to the Israelites, "They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness will shut them in. I will harden, make stubborn defiant Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them, and I will be glorified and honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians shall know without any doubt and acknowledge that I am the Lord." And they did so. What I love about that verse, I'm just not recognizing this. God told Moses. to inform the Israelites, "Hey, we need to camp over here." And instead of the Israelites, you know, throwing up their arms in the air saying, "What are we going to do? What are we going to do?" They just went ahead and did what God said to do. That's what we need to do in our life. If God tells us to do something, we need to do it. Whether it's from spiritual instruction, maybe he speaks to our heart, he speaks to our soul, or maybe we get a sense of something, the Holy Spirit speaking to us from God's holy word. I've learned this over the years. Whenever I do things my way, it hardly ever works out. When I do things God's way, it always works out. Even if it doesn't work out in the way that I was hoping, it always works out in the short run and the long run. Like sometimes I'll get an impression in my heart that God is telling me to do something and I'll do it his way and it doesn't work out. And every once in a while I think, well, you know, I really thought God was speaking to me in that moment. Well, here's the thing. God was speaking to me in that moment. If I know that it's God speaking to me, and if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean that A God wasn't speaking to me or B that it didn't work out. Just because I don't know how to how to describe this. Just because something didn't work out the way I wanted it doesn't mean that it did not work out the way that God wanted it. That's why we should always be focused on Jesus Christ. We need to want what God wants in our life. Otherwise, if we're not seeking the Christ-like faith and journey, then we're just like a kid on aisle 7 in Toys R Us, which mind you, Toys R Us is no longer around and went bankrupt, I think several years ago. But if we're not doing things God's way and we're not a man or a woman after God's own heart, then whose heart are we following? Either A we're following our own heart or B we're following the devil's heart. So that's a very dangerous way to live because you know there are people that you know, I meet people all the time that they don't believe in God or maybe they don't go to church and they're not necessarily worshiping the devil, they're not satanic or they're not a, not in a cult, but they're worshiping technically whatever lifestyle they are participating in. And that's a very fleshly desire. So if you're living in a fleshly desire, that is of the devil. That's not how we are supposed to live. You know, just because someone is not a serial killer doesn't mean that they are exempt from their evil ways. You know what I mean? Like there are different degrees of goodness and evil, right? 
But here's the thing. Everything that is holy is holy, but everything that is evil is evil. It doesn't matter if someone stole a pencil or if someone, you know, murdered somebody. Evil is evil. Yes, there are different degrees of it. But just because something is just a little evil doesn't mean that it's okay. That's why we are supposed to die to our fleshly desire. be born again in Christ Jesus and live the life of Christ. That's why we're supposed to do that. Goes on to say when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people and they said, "What is this that we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us." So, they're waking up to the fact that first of all God is for these people, but they realize that They have just lost almost their entire economy. They've lost their entire labor force. Now what are they going to do? They're not going to be able to lounge around all day eating grapes. That's what happened here. They're they're like, "Whoa, wait a second. We need our slaves." That's what they're saying. And here's the thing. Their economy is tanked. They've probably lost 50% of their population. They've lost a whole lot of produce, they've lost a whole lot of their crops, they've lost a whole lot of their animals. They know that the God of Israel is the one true God. But yet all they can think about is, "Oh, woe is us. We've lost our slaves. We've lost our economy." So they're about to go after the Israelites, which is so dumb because you would think you would think that the Egyptians who have just suffered so much all these plagues all these hardships you would think they would know not to go after God's holy people you, you would think that they would still be recuperating from all the hell they've just gone through right but see this is what happens when people are evil when people are pagan when people do not believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and also when you have people that have a love of money. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's one of the things going on here because they're saying, what is this that we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. So they value money more than they do human life. That's why these people are so is uh, not That's why these people are so evil. I was going to say Israel. That's my I'm I'm still waking up this morning. But here's the thing. This is why this group of people or this civilization, the Egyptians were so evil. They valued money more than human life. More than their own families' lives. See, here's the thing. Whatever you put in place of God is what will destroy you. If you worship anything other than God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you're asking for a whole lot of trouble because you are worshiping something either things or places or whatever the case may be. You're worshiping other things that are not God. They cannot defend you, they cannot protect you, they cannot heal you. Only our heavenly Father can do those things. But the Egyptians had such a love of money, they were completely lost they were you know what's interesting is that they think that israel is the one that is wandering around aimlessly but it's really the egyptians that are wandering around aimlessly because they don't worship the one true god they have all these other gods and all these other gods again you would think that they would realize none of their pagan gods none of their many gods that they had saved them protected them or helped restore them not a single one So again, whatever you put in place of God will destroy you. It will destroy your family. And possibly your civilization, your society, your country, whatever you worship that is not God will be your doom. That is the same for all humanity, whether it's the Old Testament, New Testament or postmodern era of the Bible basically. Our day and age That's why it's so important that we believe in God and that we are a holy good people. 
to separate ourselves from God is just a horrible travesty. It it's not it's not the way to go. I have found that I would say within the last 5 to 6 years, maybe last 10 years, instead of focusing on their faith, people have been focusing on political agendas, whether it's political or not. And I just thought, you know, if if people put the same kind of energy in their faith that they do in politics or getting angry or irritated or posting stupid TikTok videos complaining about stuff, we would be an amazing nation. We are already amazing, but we would be even better. See, cuz here's the thing, I would say even 100 years ago or 200 years ago, well, 100 years ago. I'd say 100 years ago, people of this country of the United States had way more faith and they were way more a godly people than than today. Now everybody has an opinion. And if you don't agree with their opinion, they're offended and they think that, "Oh, you must be a hateful, evil, misogynistic I don't know, fascist or something. And it's like, no, a difference of opinion is simply that. It's just a difference of opinion. You know, I wish more people would read the Constitution. We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I wish more people knew that and believed in it as opposed to their political agendas. that are basically causing division in this country. You know, if you think division is great, look at what has been happening in the Middle East, I would say since like the 1960s or 1970s. I don't know much about the Middle East from like years and years, hundreds hundreds of years back, but in terms of like the 20th century, the Middle East has been a It's been a really rough area for a long time because of all the division. And it's usually the divisions within the Muslim faith, which I wouldn't call the Muslim faith the faith because it's really a cult because of how they treat women and children and how they manipulate their governments over there. Because over in the Middle East, if they're being run, if the government is being run by the Muslim religion, then it is a theocracy. meaning your religion is your government which is completely wrong even god doesn't agree with that because religion was invented by mankind to dominate and suppress other people that is not who god is again god did not create religion mankind did that so if you live in the middle east and you disagree with your government and you don't agree with something and you speak up about it or you try and do something about it hopefully positive then you are considered a traitor of the state basically because when you question your government over in the middle east you are questioning their very doctrine of their theology and their religion it's very similar to the egyptians here very similar because the egyptian empire was very much run on a very strict pagan religion that's why they had all these gods like you could not separate their religion from their economy it's the same thing in the middle east which is why women are suppressed children are not treated all that great especially little girls women can hardly own any kind of property they can hardly go to school like for example whenever terrorists take over a city or a town or a village one of the first things they do is they ban women from public places women are no longer allowed to go to the grocery store they're no longer allowed to drive a car Little girls are no longer allowed to go to school. So now you have all this ignorance taking place. You have all all these little girls that are now illiterate. They they are forced out of the education system. That is religion. But that is not God. Nowhere in the Bible does God say suppress women, beat them, beat them publicly. 
Never let them go to school. Shame and blame them for having a period. It is the direct opposite. You know, it was really shocking to me. There was one country I was looking up online because I didn't know much about their, um, their country because I, I have another podcast called The Endurance of Labor Laws. And I did a recent podcast about the Olympics and how there are many um, athletes that have been stripped of their medals for different reasons. And it was shocking to me how many corrupt countries have participated in the Olympics And a lot of them are from the Soviet bloc, meaning they used to be part of the Soviet Union. But when the Soviet Union fell, a lot of these countries that were in the Soviet bloc, they claimed independence. And they claimed they want a democracy and capitalism. An example of this is, is the Ukraine. They're really not as good a country as people think or say. Yes, they are being invaded by Russia and all that stuff. I don't even know if that's still going on. I don't pay attention to it. But here's the thing. The Ukraine is not as sweet and innocent as people make it out to be. Yes, I'm against killing and murdering and that kind of thing. But, you know, the Ukraine is not this sweet, innocent country. Almost every country that was part of the communist bloc is still communist, even though they claim to be democratic or they want a republic or they want capitalism. They claim they want freedom. They really don't. Communism never left the Soviet bloc, and communism never left the Soviet Union, a.k.a. Russia. It never left. So I'm not surprised at all that President Putin is trying to take back the entire Soviet bloc to reunite it with Russia. Because technically, that is their mother country. So needless to say, it's one of those things that when I was looking up the Olympics, and looking up all the different athletes uh, that have basically cheated the system. Because what people don't realize is that these Olympic athletes, whenever they lie about their, their athletic talent, whether they're lying about being a man or a woman, or if they're doping, taking steroids or performance enhancement drugs, not only are they stealing a medal, but they're stealing a title from the person that actually should have won And that means that person that should have won is not only losing their medal, but they're also losing contracts and monies that they should have been awarded for being the best in their event. Which is really sad. And there was one country, I think it was Bahrain. I'm trying to think if it was that country or another country. I was surprised how many countries from the Middle East actually compete in the Olympics. I didn't think they allowed any of their people to leave their countries because these Muslim countries are so corrupt and they're cruel and they're evil. Even to their own people. I mean, to foreigners, they're pretty horrible to foreigners unless they want their money. So if you're rich, you know, you're pretty much taken care of. But if you're just a regular, everyday Joe Schmo. middle class, lower class, whatever the case may be, and you're a foreigner, oh, you are going to be a target for the Middle East. You're probably going to be falsely accused of being a spy, um, stealing secrets, you know, just, just the, the craziness, the mental insanity of the Middle East is just bizarre. But here's what really shocked me. There were so many countries that, that are in the Middle East that participate in the Olympics, but they have Sharia law. I've heard about the horrendousness of Sharia law, especially against women and children, especially little girls, but there was one thing I did not know about. Well, there were many things, but this is one thing that really shocked me, and I saw a picture of it. One of the ways that Sharia law in these Muslim countries um, is so dominant and how it still has a grip on society over there is they have public policing, which is very similar to communist China. Because I was wondering, how is communist China still around? Like, how is the Communist Party still so powerful when, when China is one of the most heavily populated countries on the planet? Like, how can a small communist government control so many people? Well, they have public police enforcing, is what it is. So... I forget what the Middle East calls it, but they have these guys that just voluntarily enforce the religious law. 
which is also the government law. Because again, in a theocracy, you cannot separate the two. Even though you should, but if you do separate the two, then you're no longer then you're no longer a theocracy. But they want to suppress people, especially women, so they keep it a theocracy. They keep it the Muslim faith and then they keep it Sharia law. So I saw a picture of this guy. He was beating a woman, he was whipping her. I mean, whipping her because I guess her hijab or whatever, whatever that word is called, where women are covered from head to toe, which would be excruciatingly hot over there. How they don't trip and fall over over all that fabric fabric they have to wear, I don't know. It just amazes me. Well, he was beating this woman that he doesn't probably even know, or maybe he does know her, because a lot of these public policing are in small villages and towns. So it might be someone that you personally know is beating you. Well, this guy was beating this woman brutally because a part of her face it 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 showed or whatever maybe her veil got moved or maybe she sneezed this woman is just being beaten to the ground being beaten to the pulp to a pulp excuse me in the ground let me get a drink of water hold on just a moment and here's the thing this picture was probably taken within the last 10 years how barbaric and cruel is that It's creepy. And here's the thing. That woman is someone's daughter. That woman very well could be someone's fiance. That woman could be someone's wife. Like how disrespectful is that to beat someone else's bride, daughter, wife, relative, sister, you know whatever the case may be like These men are not getting beaten in public unless they're homosexual. Of course, they beat them and kill them over there in the Middle East, which is horrible, and that's murder. But this is what they do to their own women over there. That's why the Muslim faith is a is a problem. That's why Sharia law is so horrible. And what's really interesting, I read an article, and I know this is getting off track a little bit, but it's very interesting. I read an article that said that there was a poll taken, of course who knows how legit this is whenever whenever they do polls. There was a poll taken that asked um quite a large segment of the population over in the Middle East and countries and societies that have Sharia law, they wanted to know do they still believe in it? Do they still actively want to practice? Supposedly 90% of the Middle East believes in Sharia law and actively wants to practice it to this day not like 90%. Now here's the thing. Are they just allowing men to vote? Because under Sharia law, women can't always vote. In fact, very few of them can vote. See, that's the thing. If you're asking the very people that are for oppressing people, "Hey, do you still want to oppress people?" Of course they're going to say yes. See, that's the screwed up mindset of a theocracy, of a cult, and of a really dangerous religion that has bred a whole lot of terrorists on this planet. But yet they claim to be religious, they have these temples, and they're very beautiful temples. They're very religious, but just because someone is religious doesn't mean they are a man or a woman after God's own heart. Cuz you know what's interesting is that what I learned about the Muslim faith when I was having to research a little bit of my podcast, they claim to be practicing the laws of Abraham. Because they claim that Abraham is their father because of Ishmael. And then on down, well, it wouldn't be on down to Muhammad because Muhammad was not part of Ishmael or Abraham. But I just find it very interesting that they are claiming to be practicing the laws of Abraham when nowhere in the Bible does it give anyone permission to just brutally beat a woman like that. 
So they're breaking their own laws. And then they're breaking the laws of God's holy word. But yet they're claiming to be extremely religious, extremely spiritual. Now, where does this bring a bell? Come the New Testament, when we get when we get to the New Testament, we will we will read about Jesus and how the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees they were basically like these crazy Muslims that beat their wives and they beat these women in public. That's what they're like because they they believe more in the law than in God. That's why the Muslim faith is pagan and it's not the one true faith. And that's why the Quran is heresy. That book is no different than the Book of Mormon. It's written by somebody else that is not a prophet and it's not from God. And it always suppresses women and children. Look at it this way, the Book of Mormon, you know, Mormons typically are used to, they still have some of these strange people, they believe in polygamy. Marry as many wives as you want, as young as you want. Well, the Muslims do the same thing. Both of them are following a false prophet. Both of them are believing in a doctrine that is outside of God's holy word. Even though they're taking scriptures from the Bible, they are manipulating it and putting it in their own little book, which is not the Bible. You know, the Bible is very clear about taking God's holy word and using it for harm. and for ill will and for manipulating other people especially God's people that is not what God's holy word is for it's just the opposite God's holy word is supposed to be used to help people not beat them not enslave them not mistreat them and not suppress women but yet that's what the book of mormon and that's what mormonism does And that's what the Muslim religion does. Very interesting correlation there. But anyway, let's move on with this chapter. So we just read that the, the the Egyptians are saying, "Hey, we just let our labor force go. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We won't have anyone to cook for us. We won't have anyone to repair our roads." We won't have anyone to drop grapes in our mouth. What are we going to do? It goes on to say, so Pharaoh harnessed horses to his war chariots for battle and took his army with him. And he took 600 chosen war chariots and all the other war chariots of Egypt with fighting charioteers over all of them. So he's taking the cream of the crop of his army to go after the Israelites. Big mistake there. Let me put it this way. Your enemy will always try and make it look like they are that they can easily outpower you, but here's the thing, no enemy on the face of this earth can ever outpower our mighty God. And that's what Pharaoh is about to realize here. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites as they were leaving confidently and defiantly. The Egyptians chased them with all the horses and war chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. and they overtook them as they camped by the sea as pharaoh approached the israelites looked up and saw the egyptians marching after them and they were very frightened so the israelites cried out to the lord that's very smart if ever you're scared or don't know what to do cry out to god that's what he's there for he's there to help you then they said to moses is it because there are no graves in egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness What is this that you have done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? So, here's the thing. Sometimes people say really stupid things when they are fearful. So when you are fearful, yes, cry out to the Lord, but don't doubt his love for you and what he can do for you and don't turn against each other. But that's kind of what the Israelites are doing. They're they're semi turning against Moses here. Did we not say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? That's a lie. That's a lie. For 400 years they have been crying out to God, free us, free us, free us, and now they're saying that they wanted to be left there to serve the Egyptians. That's not true. So just be careful that whenever you are crying out to God or whenever you are stressed that you're speaking the truth. 
It's kind of like how, you know, you, you get in a car wreck and you're not at fault, but the other person is. And the other person that is at fault makes up a lie and just spins a tale, making it seem like you're at fault for the accident. That's kind of what this is like here. You know, just because there's a car wreck and there's a lot of stress and a lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, that doesn't give people or anyone permission to lie about what happened. That's what's going on here with the Israelites. It goes on to say, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians as slaves than to die in the wilderness. Really? Then why were they crying out for 400 years? See, here's the thing. Sometimes fear does stupid things to your brain. Don't speak with your brain. Speak with your heart. Give your heart to Christ. Give your life to Christ. Speak with courage. Yes, there are things that we can fear. We can be frightened. But do not speak out of fear. Do not doubt the goodness of God. See, here's the thing. What you have to remember here is that the Israelites, they have just come out of Egypt and they have just seen all these signs and wonders and miracles that the Lord performed in Egypt. They saw all of this. They witnessed this. And now they're doubting that their God can get them out of this situation. It's a very fickle people, right? It goes on to say, Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed. And see the salvation of the Lord, which, we ha- which he has accomplished for you today. For those Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see again. Amen for Moses. Man, if it wasn't for Moses, those people would have tanked, right? It's just unbelievable how these people don't have faith. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people just like to complain, but the moment you help them, they still want to complain? That's what the Israelites are like. It gets so old. It goes on to say, The Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. So he's saying, the Lord will fight for you. Don't worry about this. You don't even have to do anything about this fight. Let God take care of it. Stop being afraid. That's what he's saying. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the sons of Israel to move forward towards the sea. As for you, lift up your staff and... And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, so that the sons of Israel may go through the middle of the sea on dry land. See, God always has a plan. He always has a way out for you. Don't ever think that whatever you're going through is the end or it's over or there's no way out. There is always a way out. But that's not for you or I to determine. It's for God to determine that. As for me, hear this. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will go in the sea after them. And I will be glorified and honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and his war chariots and his horsemen. That's very interesting here. God says, I will be glorified and honored through Pharaoh and his army. So basically, our enemies, we, we need not fear them because God will honor us. Through our enemies, meaning he will take care of our enemies and show them up and that will honor us because God defends us. That's what that means. And the Egyptians shall know without any doubt and acknowledge that I am the Lord when I am glorified and honored through Pharaoh, through his war chariots and his chari- charioteers. The angel of God who had been going in front of the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud moved from in front and stood behind them. So God knows what he's doing. Always has, always does, always will. He had an angel guarding and protecting them at all times. Because it literally says the angel of God. How amazing is that? God has an angel protecting you. You are not alone, so do not be fearful. The angel of God who had been going in front of the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud moved from in front and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud along with darkness even to, sorry, let me reread that. 
It was a cloud along with darkness, even by day to the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to the Israelites, so one army did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all that night, and turned the seabed into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the middle of the sea on dry land, and the waters formed a wall to them on their right hand and their left. Then the Egyptians pursued them into the middle of the sea. How dumb is that? See, here's the thing. The Egyptians even saw the Red Sea being divided. You would think they would know, hey, maybe we shouldn't go in there. <laughs> See, that's how dumb your enemy is. Whenever someone pursues you, they're the moron, not you. Then the Egyptians pursued them into the middle of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his war chariots, and his charioteers. So it happened at the early morning watch before dawn that the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire of cloud and put them in a state of confusion. He made their chariot wheels hard to turn and the chariots difficult to drive. So the Egyptians said, "Let us flee from Israel." For the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians on their war chariots and their charioteers." So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal flow at sunrise, and the Egyptians retreated right into it, being met by the running water. Or sorry, the returning water. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians and tossed them into the midst of the sea. See, here's the thing: God's got this. God's got this. Don't worry about it. God will take care of your enemies and your adversaries. All, all the people that you can't stand, all the issues that you can't stand. Let's say you can't stand your neighbor's dog. He'll take care of it. God will take care of it. Don't worry about it. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the charioteers. And all the army of Pharaoh that had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them survived. If you think God can't handle your enemies, you are so wrong. God can handle anything and everything. You know, it doesn't give a specific number in terms of the army of Egypt, but here's the thing: the Egyptian Empire was just that. It was an empire, and maybe we'll do a podcast. couple episodes about Egypt because i think to fully understand Egypt and what's going on here at the israelites you need to understand the culture that that the israelites were leaving and why these people were so stupid to go after the slave labor that they had let go goes on to say but the israelites walked on dry land in the middle of the sea and the waters formed a wall to them on their right hand and their left The Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore. That's what it was talking about when when it said that God was going to show his glory and his honor through the Egyptians. Literally, the Israelites saw that because they saw all these dead bodies of the Egyptian army on the seashore. So yet again God worked another miracle for the for the Israelites. Because God loves his people. Goes on to say when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians they feared the Lord with reverence and awe filled respect and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Now here's the thing that belief is going to be short lived because later on we will see out in the desert They get a little pissy with Moses, excuse my language, and then they turn their backs on God and they start practicing paganism. So here's the thing. It's very important that we recall daily, daily the blessings of God, the blessing of Abraham that he has done in our life every day because if ever we do not call to mind the good things that God has done for us, we will totally forget that god is good and we will turn to our own desires or our own way of thinking you'll say for example you have a job and you can't stand it let's say you just want to quit and walk out you want to do the walk out 
There's a time and place to do that, but most of the time you should not. If you're following God's law and you're following God's holy word, you will pray for your boss or 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 you will pray for the people that you don't like. Maybe it's not your boss that you can't stand. Maybe it's just the fact that you you don't like what you're doing. Well, you need to pray about that. Cuz even though you may not like where you're at, God gave you that job for a reason. It's for provision. Because God is a provider. So just remember that everything is a stepping stone. I mean, I've had jobs that I couldn't stand, believe me. I've had jobs that I kind of liked, I've had jobs where I truly loved it, but here's the thing. Even the jobs that were my favorite job did not work out for whatever reason. And at the time, it was very upsetting. I mean, it's always upsetting I think to lose a job, but when you don't understand the goodness of God and you and you don't realize that you are in the palm of his hand, You tend to just look at everything from the natural point of view. Oh no, I've lost my job. I'm going to lose everything. No. No. Not so. The Lord always provides. But you have to remember that every day. The Lord always provides. It's a beautiful thing to remember the good things that God has given you. Because whenever you remember the things that God has given you, You're not going to be worried about the bad things that can happen or will happen or do happen. Because then the bad things won't seem so bad because you will have a firm foundation in your mind and your heart and in your soul that God is good. He's a provider. If he parted the Red Sea for the Israelites, he can do anything and everything for you and for me. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.